and welcome to this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 23rd of November and this week I've got World War One woes, Maddie has a lovely Christmas market roundup but first here's Jen with a Thanksgiving feast. Always nice to start with a feast, we thought. Um, and this is also nice because we are a bit Oxford-centric and this event is actually in Towersy. Um, so it's nice to get out of the city sometimes. Um, yes, Thanksgiving is on Thursday um, and this is a Thanksgiving feast on Thursday at 7.15pm. So if you are an American expat or just an Americanophile um, and you're missing uh, home and presumably lots of pumpkin, I should think, um, uh, then you can go along. This is in Towersy Memorial Hall and it's £28 per person. Uh, Towersy is just east of Tame, between Nick Tame and Princess Risborough, and you ought to know where it is because they have a big festival, so it's worth finding out now, <laughs> making your way there. Um, and this is organised by Big Chief's Table. You can check them out on Facebook or uh, their blog is on WordPress. Um, and they do a lot of pop-up supper club events. Um, often in aid of charity, so this one is for Asylum Welcome, um, and I think there's a hashtag Cook for Syria campaign, um, so they're being part of that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I recommend the blog for um, the most wonderful food porn, and live <laughs> blogging, and news of the supper club events, and all sorts of other things, and amazingly, this this author and chef is only 18. <laughs> so between the combination of the event of cooking and the extremely good photography and the very in- friendly and bubbly writing, and I, yeah, she's got it all going on there. Um, yeah, so uh, that's on Thursday. And then, of course, Friday <laughs> is a less favourable import, I could say. <laughs> I'm not a fan of days that are called black something. <laughs> traditionally, this is stock market crashes or air travel crises or bushfires or all sorts of other things that have happened on days named black. Um, and I think we've run through the whole black week now. <laughs> um, yeah, so the idea of actually naming something Black Friday on purpose is um, surely inviting disaster. Um and so to avoid it, and because of course Daily Info doesn't endorse fighting over cheap electrical goods, we celebrate Alternative Buy Nothing Day, <laughs> um, which is uh, celebrated in North America and the Great Great Britain and Sweden as well, and was actually founded by Canadian um, in 1992. Presumably they've had Black oh. Friday in America a lot longer than wow, it's... Wow, because it only started sort of last year. In yeah, last, didn't last it? Yeah. year and the year before I think has been the, been wow. the, the big, big leaping over the pond. Um, so the various inventive protests as part of Buy Nothing Day, including the Walmart, which involves um, a lot of shoppers doing a conga with empty trolleys all the way around a store. <laughs> Confusing people. Excellent. Um, and setting up in a shopping mall and helping people reduce their debt by chopping up their credit cards. So you invite people mm. over and wow. a big pair of scissors. Or um, a zombie walk where you take over a shopping mall and just parade around dressed as a zombie. Um, and in some North American cities, the rather nice um, winter coat exchange. I don't think this is something that's come over here yet, but perhaps it should. Um, so spare coats that aren't needed are gathered through the whole of November. And then um, on Black Friday, they have a coat exchange and volunteers get together and um, you can exchange your coat or just receive a free one if you're um, Need a cold. Coat. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, in some places the, there's such a great need that people actually queue all the way around the block sort of from oh, early blimey. in the morning because they know this is going to take place. Wow. Um, and an alternative version of this is shift your shopping, uh, which suggests that you can buy things, but only from small independent retailers ah. on that day. So it's more about changing your habits and avoiding the big chains who are really the only people who benefit from the 
enormous Black Friday sales. Mm. Um, yeah, and if you really want things, you can't um, rid yourself of the habit of acquiring stuff, then come into Daily Info and you can get a free year planner. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You could, of course, go anywhere you like and buy nothing. True. You could go to the <laughs> shop you've always wanted to go to, but you don't feel like you can actually buy I'm anything really there. And buy nothing. Shop. Yeah, window shopping. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's possibly more tantalising <laughs> and not necessarily going to help you with your consumer habits. <laughs> no. Okay. Would no. I be allowed to buy a bus ticket to this window shopping experience? Oh, I think so. Mm, I, I don't right. think you know, these rules are really hard at <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> not making me walk. Argument, of course, everyone holds off and then does all their shopping on Saturday instead, but... That's true. Nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> so... Advent officially begins, uh, at least for Church of England churches, on Sunday. So what better way to get in the Christmassy mood than going along to the Oxford Christmas Light Festival. So this has been running for a number of years and was initially a lantern procession, but has now expanded to take over the entire weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not going to miss out if you're out Friday or Saturday. So the lantern procession is still going strong. This year's theme is the story of Empress Matilda making her escape from Oxford Castle. Um, and I think she's escaping just a broad street this time, <laughs> rather than Wallingford Castle. A short run. <laughs> just, yeah, just around the corner. Um, and 300 school children with flammable objects will be processing from the castle to Broad Street. Um, In their nightgowns? Oh, I don't know. I have to say there's no... I really hope not. A scary um, prospect, really. Three hundred children with flammable items. Yeah, no, it's it's a bit scary. (laughs) I wouldn't like to be the health and safety officer in charge of this, to be honest. Um, But it sounds magical, and all the Christmas lights will be coming on, and it will just be lovely. lovely. other events happening as part of the Light Festival include Fright Night at the Ashmolean, which is looking at hopes and fears, much like the Pitt Rivers Museum did last week. Um, and that is again part of the Being Human Festival. There are Chris- Christmas markets everywhere, free concerts all over the place, dance performances, plays, interactive art in the form of large light-up balls, a music-making sculpture and a miniature dystopian landscape in a shipping <laughs> container. Wow. You know, what's that? <laughs> It sounds fascinating. I spoke to Rachel Capel, the events organiser for Oxford City Council, about what she's most looking forward to attending. Well, I, I think one of the things that will be really nice for people, I mean, I might not get a chance to do this myself, um, but if I was going, I, I would definitely um, want to pop along to the castle on Saturday because there's a chance to make some of those lanterns that you've then seen you know, in the lantern parade because we've got a workshop that's happening from 12 until 4 o'clock and you can literally drop in and, you know, meet some of the artists and they can help you and your little one if you're bringing, if you're bringing someone with you, you know, yeah. to make one of those lanterns for yourselves. And I think, in a way, Saturday is going to be quite a, a really, a, a very different atmosphere because obviously, you know, it's it's got some daytime activities there for people to take part in. Mm. But I think it's going to be really great because you've got the Christmas market in Ball Street. You can go and make a lantern at the castle um, and then you can have a look at some of those installations I described. The, the colony installation with the big spheres will be in Gloucester Green on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then you've got those two big installations in Broad Street, the shipping container and the Illumophonian 
And so I think that's going to be quite a nice day, a day out, actually, for people. There'll be plenty going on there. Listen to the full interview to hear more about the shipping container installation and how to get involved with all the fun. Make sure to check out their website, www.oxfordschristmas.com, and get your hands on a free copy of their booklet to get money off at restaurants in the Oxford Castle Quarter and some attractions. That's Oxford's Christmas Light Festival, which is all weekend and most of the events are free. So, there are two Christmas markets on this weekend. It's just the start of the Christmas market season in Oxford. (laughs) There'll be many more, but I'll just talk about the ones that are this weekend for now. So, um, on Saturday and Sunday, so that's Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th, there's the Handmade Christmas Market at the West Oxford Community Centre on Botley Road. And there'll be lots of handmade things, including pottery, paintings, prints, sculptures, things like that. And a community centre cafe. Um, so that sounds lovely and it's from 11am until 4pm on those two days and then also on Saturday there's the Indie Oxford Christmas Market which is at the Old Fire Station and the Tell Street Kitchen from 10am to 5pm and it's the second year of the Indie Oxford Christmas Market so it's going to be bigger and better there's 30 local independent businesses including Annie Sloan Darnit and Stitch, Jericho Studio Pottery, many more so there'll be lots of stalls selling things and then there'll also be various workshops throughout the day so the workshops will be at the old fire station and you can book for the um, workshops on on the website for the old fire station there's among others there are calligraphy and Christmas banner workshops so uh, sounds like fun and if you pick up a flyer for the market from the old fire station or the Tell Street Kitchen or some of the small in- independent businesses which will be um, represented at the market you can enter a competition to win a hamper worth over £300 Whoa. so um, so it's worth going and trying to find a, a flyer Definitely. and entering so those are the, the markets for this weekend Brilliant. Uh, will uh, Father Christmas be making an appearance at either of these? I haven't been told. His okay. elves are so busy they haven't sent out a press release <laughs> okay. yet. Okay, um, right. I'll, I'll await the news then. So, yeah. Okay. It, well, it's, it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> I just had to check. everywhere that Santa might be. Yeah, I'm going to find him this year. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? He really is amazing, making it to all of these events all over the country yeah. while he should be preparing for his big night on the 24th. You've just got to think about um, the state of the elves, like how they're feeling at this time of year. Like, they must be overworked, mm. like making up for all the time Santa's away doing press things. Yeah. <laughs> but their January must be fun. Yeah. Although may, then they've got to deal with all the complaints. Oh, that's true. The complaints <laughs> department must go crazy in January. <laughs> I think they just record an answering message. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing the office this month. <laughs> we're in Hawaii. <laughs> Starting today and running until noon on Saturday the 26th is the Callaloo Conference. Um, and this is taking place in Pembroke College. Um, Callaloo is uh, its full name, Callaloo, a journal of African diaspora arts and letters, and it's a quarterly literary magazine um, established in 1976 um, by Charles Rowell, who's still its editor-in-chief now, um, and it's got creative writing, visual art, critical texts about literature, culture, 
and is probably the longest continuously running African-American literary magazine and it's, it's celebrating its 40th anniversary this mm. year um, and it was recently ranked as one of the top 15 literary magazines in the USA so it's wow. really highly regarded um, and their conference moves around every year <laughs> which I think must be rather fun um, the magazine itself has moved around a bit because uh, Charles Rowell has been based in various different universities and is now in Texas um, but the yeah the conference moves country uh, year on year <laughs> And uh, this time it's in Oxford. Um, most of these, in fact, all of these events are free. Um, so anybody is welcome to go along and uh, listen to these things, take part in the debates. Um, included in the events, and there are a lot of things going on, uh, but on Thursday morning there's a talk by the founder and editor. Um, and on Thursday and Friday, 7 till 8, are poetry and fiction readings by some of the people who contribute to the magazine. And on Saturday morning is a roundtable discussion on the future of Canaloo, um, and that includes Ben Ockrey, um, who's one of the UK-based contributors you've probably heard of. Um, yeah, lots of world-class writers and academics taking part in this, so um, head along to Pembroke College and go and do some hobnobbing and uh, <laughs> listen to some good fiction. Mm. And just as that finishes, <laughs> if you haven't had enough uh, culture and literature, uh, it then, we then start the Shakespeare and the Brain Symposium, um, which is again free and is at uh, Teddy Hall this time. You can reserve a ticket on their website, but I think you can just turn up, basically. This is a symposium of neuroscientists, literature scholars and thespians. Um, and uh, it's basically for anybody with any interest in Shakespeare or the brain, or both. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it also includes tea and drinks and readings by an actor, so I can't think why you wouldn't want to go with it. Um, but two of the things they're particularly talking about in terms of neuroscience and Shakespeare, Kelly Hunter um, is an actor and director and also a creator of a technique which uses Shakespeare's rhythmic language to help children with autism to communicate. Ah. Um, and Professor Rodrigo Quien Quiroga is... Um, a writer who links the thoughts of Argentinian writer Jorge Luis Borges with memory research in neuroscience. Great. Wow. So, <laughs> it's all going to be learned and reasonably complicated, but I think it's very interesting. Um, yeah, so that's your entire week sorted out from Wednesday night to Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating with, um, yeah, the rhythmic language of Shakespeare. It's a bit like yeah. um, singing words or what's it wearing headphones when you're mm. speaking if you've got a stammer like yes. in the king's speech i've got a friend who's an actress actually and she um she's dyslexic but she finds that the language of shakespeare sort of she realized that that she had an aptitude for theater in general mm. when she read shakespeare and suddenly the rhythms made sense to her in a different way right than other sort of did it help language dyslexia in other parts of writing and literature or was it only I Shakespeare don't know. I don't <laughs> only communicate through that. I don't know but it definitely started mm. with Shakespeare cool yeah. she finds it's easier to read and to both read out loud and read on the page than yes. other writing yeah. there's um, John Finnemore who does comedy sketches um, he, he loves singing and there's quite a lot of singing in the um, sketch show and his his tuning isn't always amazing, but he's much more in tune if he's trying to sing in a silly accent. <laughs> and I was, was quite <laughs> bizarre. So funny, putting it? on a French accent, that it's, it's bang on then. <laughs> I don't know why that should be, but clearly. There. <laughs> 
So we're all very familiar with the horrendous conditions that soldiers during the First World War faced in the Western trenches. But did you know that you were five times more likely to die of disease than you were to be killed during combat? Beyond the Western Front, exploring hidden histories of the First World War um, is being exhibited at the Glass Tank at Brooks, uh, the Headington campus. It's already up and running and is running until the 16th of December. This is a collaborative exhibition between the Departments of History, Philosophy and Religion um, with the Soldiers of Oxfordshire Museum and also the Centre for Hidden Histories at the University of Nottingham. So it's sort of exploring beyond the trenches of the Western Front and looking at the experience of Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire battalions in Italy, the Balkans, the Middle East and Russia. So it's sort of adding a global dimension to the traditional narrative of the Western Front. So this is being shown through photographs, um, research projects and objects which have been loaned from the Soldiers of Oxfordshire Museum. Accompanying this exhibition is a lecture called Malaria and the War Beyond the Western Front, which is also at the glass tank, um, but that lectures on Tuesday at 4 p.m. and it's free. This is exploring the impact that disease had on the British Army during the First World War. So um, one of the biggest problems the British Army faced was disease and um, especially malaria and venereal diseases, which wiped out quite a lot of the soldiers in the non-Western fronts. Are we still pre-antibiotics at this stage? I can't remember the dates when they first probably developed antibiotics, but... Yes. Because the Crimean War was all about soap, wasn't it? Yeah. They had some pretty strange ideas about... Um, racial immunity, which meant that white soldiers were often replaced with the natives who were believed to be immune to malaria, um, which raised quite a lot of political tensions in territories such as India. This lecture is being given by Professor Mark Harrison, who is the director of the Wellcome Institute for the History of Medicine at Oxford University. That's Beyond the Western Front, exploring hidden histories of the First World War at the glass tank at Brooks. Head along to that. I think in Belize, the Belizean army, is meant to be at least twice as likely to die of uh, pitching camp in the dark and dead trees falling on them, because this is a problem in the jungle, oh. than it is of any actual fighting. But that's partly because they're not required to take part in any real wars or anything. <laughs> it's such a tiny country. That, oh, uh, word. Yeah. But a lot of people go and train in the forest in, in Belize because it's mm. quite a nice, safe bit of jungle. There aren't too many poisonous things that you can be killed by so a lot of British army training goes on there but, oh, right. hmm. but yeah you do exercise late into the night and put up your tents and you can't really check out the trees nearby and the trees are so tall that they can take out really quite a lot of tents in one go I guess oh, gosh. or hammocks really but. so in my roundup of theatre and comedy this week I'm going to talk about two things the first one is called Bar Humbug an evening of comedy at the old fire station and it's a comedy evening in aid of the work that the old fire station does. So um, supporting art and artists and the building the skills and confidence of homeless people because they have a cafe in the old fire station which is um, run by um, formerly homeless people who are um, given the opportunity to, have, to gain skills and um, have a job in the cafe. And it's a fantastic cafe. I would recommend that as well. But I'm... Now talking about the evening of comedy. So Bar Humbug, an evening of comedy, is on at half past seven on Friday. 
so that's Friday the 25th. And it's featuring some quite famous comedians, including Andy Zaltzman and Kirsty Newton, um, among others. So it should be a very funny night, and it's all in aid of a really good organisation who are worth supporting. And then secondly, there's the Mouse Trap on at the New Theatre next week from Monday to Wednesday, and it's on at 7.30 all three nights, and then there's also a matinee at half past two on Wednesday the 30th. It's the classic Agatha Christie who done it, and it's the longest-running theatre production in the world wow. ever. In the history of the universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, assuming that there isn't some planet where in the universe where... <laughs> Ooh. They, I wonder know, what they do. Anyway. <laughs> where there's a longer running play, but on this world, uh, maybe it's safer to say in the world, um, <laughs> there uh, is the longest running show, um, and they've been celebrating their 60th anniversary since 2012. <laughs> wow! So this is uh, the performance that's on at the New Theatre in Oxford next week is part of the 60th um, 60th anniversary It's quite a drawn out birthday production. celebration Yeah I know, I wonder Did if it will run it out till 75 <laughs> <laughs> Well I wonder but I mean if they can if they can sell the tickets then then there you go, it's, obviously, it's very popular The outcome of the play that is revealed obviously at the end you find out who did it and then the audience are asked not to reveal it because um to, to keep it fresh for the next people who go and see it. And amazingly, no one's ever told anyone in the whole 60, <laughs> 64 years. Uh, 60, yeah, 64 years. Um, and just an interesting little fact about the play is that when it first broke the record in September 1957, Noel Coward sent a telegram to Agatha Christie saying, much as it pains me, I must really congratulate you. And this letter was found in a... Um, in a desk by a Cotswold furniture maker in 2011 because he was oh. renovating a, um, a desk that mm. had presumably originally been at the Christie estate and uh, he found this letter. Wow. Um, so, yeah. But it, that, it's been the longest-running play for a very long time. It re- it's really quite yeah, impressive. I don't think the aliens will have beaten it. <laughs> Even if there is the- a theatre somewhere else in the universe. Yep. <laughs> So, yes, go along to that and find out who did it. <laughs> you can take your place in the procession of history. Yeah. It is the yeah. maelstrom. For full details of these events and quite a lot of others, um, head to the Daily Info site, dailyinfo.co.uk slash events, where you can also find the full interview with Rachel from Oxford Christmas. And you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're at Daily Info. Oxford. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get it to your device every week, especially next week as we're going to have a special exclusive Oxcast competition. Tune in then. Which we're not going to tell you anything about now. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) 